I've been watching the crypto community trade trillions of dollars on this wonderful crypto rail. And I'm like, why, why can't we use this exact same thing to send encrypted messages to each other? Hey, I'm Rudy, and this is the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Here, we learn about the lives of our favorite crypto experts, leaders, and entrepreneurs. Welcome, Steve, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Rudy. Of course. Excited to be here on Wholesome Crypto. <laughs> I love the name. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the name of what you're working on, Hashchat. But, and yeah, we know you as the founder of Hashchat, uh, currently in beta, and I'm excited to get into that. We also know that you've taught in blockchain ventures for MIT and Babston. So educator, builder, founder, a lot of good qualities that we love to see in the crypto world. But before we get into everything that you're doing and have done in the crypto world, what has Steve or what was Steve like before even hearing about Bitcoin or anything blockchain related? Mm -hmm. What where were you in life? So I my whole career has basically been around technology innovation. So I've always been trying to pull technology out of university labs or out of any kind of research thing, and figuring out where the really interesting um, radical components of the technology is, and then how you can put that into a market. So, mm -hmm. in the classic world of business sense, people talk about uh, you know um, what's it called incremental innovation. So, like some 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 technology innovation that kind of moves the thing forward could be like lower cost or something. That's all fine, but I was really more interested in radical innovation, like crazy new ideas, and then how can you commercialize them? And typically, the path to do that is to do what's called market push, where you're trying a technology trying to find a you know, throw it at the market to try and find yeah. a solution. And that's always harder. It's a lot harder. And in fact, there's a ton of ton of um, challenges in that space, but that's just more exciting. And so when I came into crypto, I was like, wait a minute, this is really a radical transformation in the whole financial system. This is fantastic. <laughs> it this is. is really cool. There's a lot to be dug into here. So, yeah. <laughs> so then um, that's good that you're always interested in tech. And then how did you even first hear about Bitcoin then? If was it just online forums reddit or did you have some friend who's like steve this is this is going to change the world man you got to look into this i went to a conference i think in like 2015 um, but it was just a straight up fintech conference and somebody was like chatting about oh you got to check out this blockchain thing oh it's so cool oh, this thing this thing called smart contracts and i was like i was like smart contracts you know you know and i have a enough of a programming background to know that it's probably not all that smart right it's probably just like a sort of a straight thing um and it wasn't until a few months later that somebody's like no no don't don't think of it as smart contracts think of it as programmable money and that's when i went oh wait a minute you know that's a completely different story right if i if i can take some assets and program where I want them to go to get the best yield or move them around or, you know, or do underwrite a loan or automatically send a payment or something and then have it come back. If I can do that in code and it's like a plot, it's like an infrastructure that's all over the world right now. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. I got to dig in even more into this space now. <laughs> that was about 2016 or so when I, when I finally just kind of like the light bulb went off as everybody does right in this yeah. space. Yeah, so you're, I guess it sounds like your mind was firing up with ideas and things that can happen with the blockchain world. And it was, I guess... Exactly. And in that time, it was, yeah, Ethereum was the main coin for right. smart contracts yep. and programmable money. Uh, but so then Bitcoin wasn't really on your rate. Well, it wasn't really the coin of interest for you then. 
Um, no, Bitcoin was definitely is definitely and will always be the OG, right? So mm-hmm. it started out, and that was like, and I don't know if you if your readers or your your listeners have, have looked at the history of kind of doing electronic money. You know, there's that whole e cash. Mm-hmm. People have been tr- trying to make a run at this for a long time. You know, there's been a lot of failed experiments before Bitcoin came along, and just like all of a sudden traction. When I when I taught blockchain ventures, one of the one of the key things we would read very early on is the Bitcoin white paper. So you you got to like read that and get into it. And and you don't actually have to be, well, there's like one section that's super nerdy that you can skip over if you're <laughs> not a technical person. But the rest of it, you know, I, I made all my MBA students read it over. So I, I definitely recommend people go and take a look at it because it's, 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 and it's the weird thing is you look at back at it and you say, why did, why was this the thing that really yeah. took off? And it, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing to look at it. So I, I hold up Bitcoin as the OG. And then I look at, I look at what I, I usually say. Bitcoin is kind of like uh, the Dow thirty, and uh, and 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 Ethereum is more like you know like the Nasdaq. You know, like like it's uh, like it's like where the where the Microsoft is and where the nerd the programming nerds are are in the Ethereum world. So you know you're you're always going to have a store of value here in Bitcoin. It's going to be going to be available. But then you're if you want to find out what the nerds are doing, you go to the <laughs> Ethereum community. So so then while you're teaching uh, blockchain ventures. How is that experience with uh, trying to educate people on blockchain and they've never heard of it? Like, was it was it such was an easy topic to like share and convince students? Like, hey, this is gonna might change the world. Like, are you interested? Or they kind of just all right, whatever, Steve. You're boring nerd stuff again. No one cares. (laughs) Well, well, uh, luckily. Um, it was an elective class. The beginning point is that the students actually selected it and wanted to be there. So, so in, in that sense, I didn't have to suffer with the whole like, no, no, this is a requirement. You have to learn this stuff. <laughs> um, but no, I, it's, it's surprising how, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit older than the average crypto person, but it's surprising how digitally native everybody is. So, you know, the, the basic concepts of kind of what we're doing in the world of crypto and web space is, is all standard and all very normal. Um, and the the new stuff around how can you have this sort of global crypto rail where you're moving assets around that's 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 anonymous like that's the hard part to understand right the rest of it about like how do you get online and how does the internet work that's like done yeah. years ago right and it's everywhere so that's not that that's not all that hard so nice so yeah, yeah I, I guess the answer is that most of the students were were totally fine with with getting it most of my most of my reviews were pretty good on all the all the classes <laughs> <laughs> rate my uh yeah right i don't think i'm on there but fine. you're always on there everyone's on there <laughs> um right. so and then at this point when did you start deciding you know you're, you're educating you're teaching you're learning when did you start to decide to actually go into build mode or have a project that you wanted to try out and what was the first project that you wanted to build so oh man i have i have so many projects that i want to build um Actually, so so way back, my my background actually goes, you know, is in software even before you know earlier days of cryptography when when things like pretty good privacy was around, um, when it was first starting and, and RSA security and those those things. And back then, when when it was we were trying to launch that, the hard part was how do you get um, how do you get the keys in the hands of the people, and how do you educate them on how to use keys and how to protect their email. And that's what, that's what it was all about. So we, we set up all these, you know, servers all over the place so you could download people's public keys. And then people were like, 
what's a public key and a private key? And how does that all work? And what's this additional software I have to add on to my email client in order to encrypt something? And why should I bother encrypting it anyway? So there was a ton of education that had to be done to all the individual people in order to get secure end-to-end communication happening. And for the past two years, I've been watching the crypto, two years, more than that, probably three years now, I've been watching the crypto community trade trillions of dollars on this <laughs> wonderful crypto rail. And I'm like, why Why can't we use this exact same thing to send encrypted messages to each other? Like, it's such a fantastic, like, we've already yeah. done all the headache of educating people and storing your seed phrase and making sure you have your wallet and all stuff. I'm like, we should just be able to send messages on the same rail. So that's that's when I, I finally got sick of it in, the, in March of last, this past year and started HashChat, which is the wallet-to-wallet messaging app that is on my ID here. Um, so that's the that's that's the real project that I finally was like, okay, I have a whole bunch of little interesting projects I want to work on, but this is the one that it's time to time to really kind of make a make a push for this because there's there's so much to be built on it once it's there. But yeah, absolutely, and that's the whole point of cryptocurrencies and blockchains being able to talk among with uh, ch- changing money between each other. We can also exchange messages and exchange votes and exchange anything that we want to put on the chain can be put on the chain to just have a way of owning and sharing and if you want privately or publicly so then exactly and the thing is with messaging it's kind of like a it's tough because it's tough industry to crack into because obviously we have regular Mm -hmm. sms then we have like uh apps like telegram signal and mm-hmm. we also now have other uh, other programs or other blockchain companies trying to run their own type of messaging service. Mm-hmm. And like for our users, can you explain a little bit more what HashChat is and why is it different than the existing yeah, products? Sure. I would be glad to. What a great <laughs> question. <laughs> I want to learn more um, too. Yeah, so so initially HashChat is, uh, is simply a wallet-to-wallet, end-to-end encrypted messaging app. So so you start with your wallet and you can communicate directly with another wallet on that. that that's, that's like table stakes, right? That's what everybody else has. Not a lot of them have encryption. Not a lot of them do the end-to-end encryption, which is a really hard part, but it's critical if you want to build kind of a um, a crypto rail. So right now, our, our differentiators for, for the people that are doing beta testing is that it automatically connects you to the NFTs that are in your wallet. So if, if you have an NFT, it, there's a community you can join that's associated with that, that everybody that has that NFT within that group would be in the same community. Um, and the the uh, initial use case has been um, Gnosis safe chat rooms. So if you think of the, what I, the phrase that I use a lot of times is that a Gnosis safe is like, is like the board of directors of crypto. Mm-hmm. So the people that are on the signers on a Gnosis safe are like the ones that are in control of the treasury. And those are the ones that make the decision. So if you have a Gnosis safe of say seven people and there's like a five of seven signature requirement on it, um, those people in that group automatically get a private chat set up for them once they connect to HashChat. And that solves a lot of problems around like, hey, we've got to remember this transaction we have to sign. Wait, which one was that? Oh, that was in Discord or that was over here. It's like it just centralizes it all. So you can just have a private end-to-end chat only with the signers. And it also, you know, if, if you take the signer out of the chat and you, if you take a signer out of your safe and you want to put someone else in there, it just automatically, you know, brings that person into the chat so you can continue the conversation and continue the, continue the thread. So that's probably the first sort of big use case. 
the second one is something that we're actually currently in development on um, is to have the effectively the board of directors of crypto send an officially signed message to their token holders. And this is something that I mentioned before about being very interested in radical innovations. Yeah. I'm always asking the question, what is it that crypto can do that we can't do anywhere else? Like what is unique about crypto and how can we really make that into an application? So I thought about, you know, having to send out, like, let's say I want to send out an M&A message from, a, mm. from like the board of directors of like, like we're going to acquire some other crypto company and somebody else is like, wants to trade on that information or wants to, you know, take some action on it. How do they know that that's actually a valid message, that it's true, that it hasn't been spoofed or anything? With the crypto rails we have, we can have the ability to, to click on things and to verify and certify things now. Yep. So that's that's the ability that we're building into, into HashChat um, kind of in the next the next version of it. And that's, that is critical because, I mean, we, especially with like how the internet is, internet is now, hacking accounts is a real threat. People have large... Uh, influencers have had their accounts hacked on Twitter and even things like uh deep fakes that can mm. that can that can easily scam people too so if yeah, Elon yeah. Musk Elon Musk has a deep fake out there saying buy this coin even if it's not deep fake whatever he says people will just do because right. of the amount of influence he has and right. it's a dangerous game and you I mean you always want to make sure the person that is saying something is actually them saying something. And yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, that'll hopefully be a problem solved sooner than later before it gets too bad. But I'm excited to see that Hashchat is solving these problems. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in beta today, so we can actually test it out and use it. I actually use it right. earlier. So it's pretty clean, pretty neat. I actually am excited for it. Um, you can find me in the, EN, in the ENS NFT community, guys, uh, <laughs> or just DM me there. But as you're building and as you're like living in this industry, again, it's a 24-7 industry, how does Steve take his time to take a mental break or step away from crypto and just kind of decompress from all the insanity of crypto this? You just see, you know, trying to solve everyone's problems online or yeah. I know you've also been to a lot of conferences, giving a lot of uh, talks. That's, yeah. it's, it's a lot and it's a lot of fun too, but it's also a lot on the person. So I'd love to know, you know, what's a Steve do outside of crypto and to keep himself sane? Um, it's a good question. Um, and I need to do more of it too. I think, I think that everybody suffers from that, especially with all this like convenient work from home. That means you never leave work, right? You're yeah. always, you're always on, you're always available. And it is a, you're absolutely right. It is a global industry. It is a 24 hour industry. I have partners and, and employees all over in all time zones. So it's a little bit crazy from that perspective, but, um, to take a break, I mean, I've got a, I've got a family. So we, we just, uh, you know, just dropped off some kids in college. So that's, it's always fun and emotional. Um, and I'm also, I'm also um, trying to get back into biking too. I'm going to go do a, a nice long bike ride down uh, Save the Bay, I think it's called, mm -hmm. Buzzards Bay, tour around the, the, uh, the oyster land. And of course, you know, we got to, you got to eat oysters too. So that's, that's a good break. <laughs> yeah, I love those. And then, and then uh, I did actually, I think I drove my motorcycle. I've got an all electric motorcycle and that's kind of fun. Oh, what? You, you can't, you, you can't touch, you can't touch the, the phone when you're driving a motorcycle. You have to have both hands on the wheel, especially when you're cruising along. So. What does it do with your mid ride and you just want to touch or just take your hand off? That's, 
You can't do no, no. You've never driven a motorcycle. It's like I riding ha- a bike. You I have driven a motorcycle. Can't take your hands off. <laughs> I so, there's a secret wave for motorcyclists that I know of. So you gotta take your hand off for a second. Yeah, you can take your left hand off, but it's not like you can look at a phone and like oh, you know no. text or anything while you're doing it. So you gotta be off crypto completely when you're doing that. Uh-huh. Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, no. So so driving, and then I guess my my biggest hobby that I haven't really done much recently of that I just picked up is um, paragliding. So you know, when you get a parachute and you 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 lift it open and you you get it open and over your head, and then you jump off a mountain and fly down. Do they have That's that fun. around here, the Massachusetts area? Yeah. Uh, mostly up in uh, Vermont. You got to drive up to Vermont to go do it, but uh, but uh, you can do it in um, Wellfleet off the dunes. There's That's some dune awesome. flying you can do there because the the wind comes off the off the ocean and goes straight up, and you can just kind of fly along the ridge there. That's cool. Um, and I think there's some other places nearby. And we actually practice um, near here. We just do some do some ground handling technique locally. So that's fun. That definitely is. You're away from crypto at that point, right? If you're flying up <laughs> in the air and you know. You got a parachute over your head. There's there's not a lot of crypto time to, to spend no. up there. So. I mean, I've been skydiving <laughs> once, and that was definitely like a oh, yeah. surreal moment where nothing else matters, and you're just like enjoying seeing the Earth coming closer <laughs> for some reason. And then was yeah, it three thousand feet? How how high did you jump? I, th- up? I think it was thirteen thousand. Wow. No, That's was a it? Big jump. Was it your first jump? Yeah. Nice. Was it a dual or was it single? It was tandem. Record? It was dual. Yeah. Oh, it was stand up. Okay, yeah, yeah it could have been thirty thousand. Probably was, yeah. Yeah, there's nice no jump. way I'm going off by myself as my first jump. Like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, that's awesome. That's like really. That's actually pretty awesome hobbies. Uh, hopefully, one day we can test out paragliding together. Never been. Yes, we should. We should. <laughs> Gotta come out. To, we. I, I also do it in Southern California too. That's that's where I'm training. So nice. Good. Um. So then, I mean, that's good. It's it's important to always keep your own hobbies intact and doing your own thing and having time for Steve. But also in this industry, there's a lot of chaos that happens. And I love to also know what is your crypto pet peeve? Oh, <laughs> how much time, how much time do we have? Oh, oh yeah. Geez. Plenty of time. Actually, actually I, I have, I've already, I've already told a lot of people this pet peeve. So I'll tell you as well. Um, just the naming. I mean, why name something? <laughs> Why don't you just call something a unique digital asset, right? If I just say unique digital asset, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to describe it anymore. You could be a normal person on the street and say unique digital asset. Instead, I have to say NFT. What's NFT? Non-fungible token. Well, what does a non-fungible token mean? Well, it means that it's not fungible. It means it's unique. There's one of one of a kind. Okay, what's a token? Oh, well, it's a digital asset. It's like, why do I have to say all that stuff? And I could have just said unique digital asset right from the beginning, right? <laughs> and like, why, why do we call it a da- Why do we call it like an electronic boardroom? Like, why do we have to call it a DAO? Like, so anyways, that's my pet peeve is that we, we have this love way acronyms, of coming up with, yeah, we love acronyms and it's like, but it's non-inclusive, right? It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, you don't know what an NFT is. Oh, well, you're not in the crypto space. Then. Okay. <laughs> you're not cool or whatever. So I don't know. I want to be welcoming to everybody and kind of explain. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy teaching. Cause I really want to bring people into the world of crypto. So I think it's fantastic and water's warm. Come on in, jump in. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, but that's also the thing I love about crypto is that it forced me to learn a lot about not just acronyms, but you know, um, governmental structures and policies, economic structures, mm-hmm. uh, different, yeah, just like how also like game theory, like social economic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and um, it's just like 
I never thought to think this deep into how money works and how people use money and what gets people excited to use money and also what gets people excited to work together. It's it's hard to imagine mm-hmm. a scenario where I can't I really can't think of anything else that's like gets people so worked up in the same fashion and trying to accomplish the same mission. Now we're kind of like fractionalizing with all these different blockchains. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the human side of crypto is that yeah, there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, the two biggest blockchains that are doing amazing things. But then not everyone can agree on what chain to use and what's better or try to at least make one of them mm-hmm. the best. It's like a fight for it. And everyone has the same end goal. If you just go to any blockchain enthusiast and ask, oh, what, what's your biggest priorities? Decentralization, security, and what's the third one? Scalability. <laughs> And it's like, okay, right. it's a like, great, great. Which which blockchain are you trying to do? And it's like, oh, I'm on Solana. Oh, I'm on Ethereum. Oh, Bitcoin or Cardano. I'm like, you guys are all trying to same trying to do the same thing, but not really working together on solving it. So that's like a mind blowing thing to me. Like we have the internet, so we solve that. But I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get that solved. That's my pet peeve. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I, I have to, I can't, I can't resist. I have to, I have to to chime in here. Um, so my my background is I, I'm an engineer undergraduate, and then I have an MBA. So so I have this like a, this desire to build and fix problems, but then I also like want to understand what the customer cares about and yeah. want to like manage people and organize people. And the you know the the biggest thing that you learn in engineering is like how to fix problems and how things work. Right. But you almost always are doing that on an individual basis. And the biggest thing you learn in like MBA school is like, you know, if I have a team of fantastic people and they hate each other, that's a worthless organization, right? Mm -hmm. Like that organization is not going anywhere. If I have a bunch of B players, but they love to work together and they love to like just get together and work on stuff. That's a fantastic organization. That's like, you know, it was like in engineering school, it's like, well, did you get an A or not? You know, like, okay, well, you must be an idiot if you didn't get an A, right? It doesn't matter if you were, if you like hated your peers, if you got an A, that's what mattered. And then like in business school. So it's, so I see those, both of those dynamics playing out in what you just said, right? It's like, I've got this layer one, it's better than all the other layer. I got this layer two, it's better than all these other layer twos. And technically speaking, it's fantastic. And it's like, but they don't like each other and nobody wants to work together. So it's like, if we could just work together, then it would be so much better. <laughs> yes. But, you know. The human nature of, you know, competitiveness and, and egos and stuff kind of prevents you from doing all that stuff, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's like, that reminds me of uh, when I was uh, interviewing Paul Brody, he was saying, yeah, like that's an engineering mindset is to, no, I can do better. Let me just start from scratch, wipe everything off and right. start new. But then there's right. business people right. like, I don't care what we use. The money is in Ethereum right now. So I'm just going to build an Ethereum. It, Right. works right. and everyone's agreeing on it so that makes yeah. sense it's uh it's definitely yeah. a fun battle to see play out but that's a free market for you right uh <laughs> yeah yeah no and the and the speed of innovation in this in this space is fantastic i mean you've already got access to all the customers already figured out right everybody's got a wallet we already can access all of them so then it's like building apps on top of these existing rails is just fantastic or building another layer two you can you just as fast as you can get them going you know you have users that are ready to adopt it so it's it's wonderful from that perspective yeah i mean you gotta you gotta do the marketing right you gotta get the word out but uh funneled marketing that's like my <laughs> my MBA skill is kind of stopped right there. I'm like, uh, my, it's like my engineering MBA is also just like, why yeah. don't you people just get it? Like, just 
use this what I'm whatever I'm doing. It makes sense to me. But you have to like shove it in people's faces. Like this is the best product. Let me tell you why with these fun images. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Business would be easy for those damn customers. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the engineering view, right? Like, oh, man, my product works great. It's the customer's fault. They don't know how to use it. <laughs> it's definitely a different different part of the brain. Um, yep. So then I like to know also like what is what would you be doing if you never got into crypto? What would your life be like, or what industry would you be focusing other than technology? But how how, how could yeah, you even good. imagine your life before crypto? Uh, without I can't. Crypto? I can't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would I would probably be trying to find some other interesting you know radical technology that needed to find a home in the commercial marketplace where we could disrupt certain things and and kind of you know in new interesting ways. That that's kind of what I've been doing before crypto. So. I would just keep doing that, I suppose. doesn't sound very exciting when I put it that way. <laughs> Radical change. It's pretty exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting. The, the example I like to use, one of my, my favorite examples is, um, you know, like, wouldn't it be great if everybody could be their, be their own brokerage? Like, if you've done any kind of Wall Street trading, you mm -hmm. know that the brokerage makes a ton of money. And it's like, hey, cool, I want to be a brokerage, like, and, and just take trades from other people and make trades happen. It's like, oh, sure, okay, you want to be a brokerage? Start with $100 million and then spend, <laughs> you know, like five years getting licensed and stuff. And, and then maybe you can have your first trade. And it's like, it's like, well, if they just had something called Uniswap where I could just post my tradable pairs and I could be the house, I'm like, this is, this is what I'm here for, right? Like the guys at Uniswaps are just geniuses. Like how can you create a decentralized brokerage where I can just – post some trading pairs and allow some things to be traded. I'm like, this is fantastic. I love this is like one of those things that crypto can do that you can't do anywhere else. Exactly. Like that, I love that example of, of uh, radical innovation being deployed. So, yeah. and of course there's been innovations on top of that, right? It was like, that was the starting point. And then people have improved on that over the years. And it's pretty amazing to have that ideas is like, yeah, during the ICO phase, there's a lot of different new cryptocurrencies coming out different tokens and different projects and the only way you can really buy and sell and trade was with like centralized exchanges there was a very few early start of DeFi back then like in 2017 and now it's like you're almost like that's what's like ignited you're like you're allowed to make your own token and see where it goes and then if someone wants to swap it for something else it's right there for you in, in DeFi, and you don't have to necessarily you kind of it starts to learn how to create its own value versus trying to create the value to the dollar. It's more like value to the Ethereum token rather than the USD or whatever other currency they use. But mm -hmm. it's, it's it's like fun to watch that happen. Uh, so yeah, as you're working on these projects and you work on Hash Chat, I also want to know what else do you have in line that you're excited for in the crypto industry and also... Is there anything that is causing any interest that you might want to build out? <laughs> so, so uh, I got I have two answers for that. One, one is um, kind of the future of hash chat. So I mentioned some of the you know the sort of starting points that we're on. Um, but the thing that gets me excited about uh, you know wallet to wallet messaging, where you have you know end cryptographically strong endpoints in your messaging, means that I can have a very strong cryptographic um, messaging stream between two parties, which also means I can build very interesting documents that are cryptographically secured between two community, you know, two nodes or several nodes, um, which means that I can start to build out what I like to call zero knowledge documents, 
so you can have not documents that sit on on the blockchain that establish kind of facts of certain things and establish a time period, a time frame. One of the things I think that's greatly overlooked in the world of blockchain is that this is this is laying out a timeline that's certified by 10,000 nodes across the world at every point in time. Every time a block is written, that's like certified by everybody. And there's a timestamp associated with that. Mm -hmm. So if you have an event that happened in time, there's nobody, nobody can mess with that, right? It's an immutable, it's an immutable timeline you could think of it as, right? I mean, we all talk about it as changing money, but I'm like, we can hold events in time here. And and that can't be, that can't be changed, right? That can't be messed around with. So if you add those two together, like I've got a crypto rail with all this, this nice documentation, and then I've got time events, then all I need are facts to add into that. And I can build out zero knowledge documentation, which means I can do something like if I have a redacted document, and luckily, because of some of the shit show that's going on right now, everybody knows what a redacted document is. (laughs) But if I held up a redacted document, and I said, I can prove to you that I know what's behind these black lines, but I'm not going to tell you what they are, right? That's a zero knowledge application of a real document. Now, I need to have an infrastructure in place before I can have that real document and have validity behind any of those things. Most of the zero-knowledge applications you hear about right now is like, Alice knows the cube root of P. And I'm like, I don't care what the cube root of P is. You know, I don't Give me a real life example. interesting application for me. I'm like, I want a redacted doc. So that's the future of HashChat. And that's what we're, that's what we're building out on. But we've got to have kind of the baseline rails first. Um, the other thing that I'm working on is... Um, the MIT Bitcoin Expo and uh, Sloan Blockchain are going to have a joint event, Start three three events. Um, there are three classes that I took from the 14 lectures that I gave at, at, uh, at MIT around uh, and Bobson around blockchain ventures, um, condensed in kind of the top three. And the first, the first class is simply intro to blockchain and set up your wallet and get an address on the blockchain and, you know, get some tokens and figure out how to do that stuff. The second class is set up a DAO or an electronic business, if you will, um, and mint a token. So you actually have a business, you have a treasury, you have a token that's all cryptographically and secured and it's online. And the third class is, okay, now I have a token, I have a business, I have a treasury. Now I want to issue it to, to trade and I want to, I want to launch it and, and trade the token and, 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 you know, figure out how the whole trading process works for my own token, for my own business. So it's kind of like going from, from soup to nuts, from from not knowing anything about crypto to kind of being up and running with your own business and your own token. We do it all on a test network, so it's not all done. <laughs> but we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this class uh, September thirteenth, twentieth, and twenty seventh at MIT, um, and I think at the MIT Bitcoin Club and the Sloan Club are gonna have some promotion on that. So nice. I'm pretty excited about that. So finally get to condense all of my all my stuff down into three three nice, quick and easy classes. So I'm excited for you guys. You should give them all a POAP too for attending. That'd be that'd be kind of fun. Oh yeah, hundred percent POAP, and then they can jump on Hashchat and get the POAP, and then they can join the uh, the community in the in the Hashchat community. Yes, that's we'll absolutely do that. It's a great idea. It's a great idea, Rudy. I'm glad you had it. <laughs> yes, yeah, all mine. I'm sure you didn't think of it before. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we were thinking about NFTs, but POAPs would be a lot easier actually. So yeah. we'll do that and free for now. Yeah, true. <laughs> um. That's really exciting. And like, I'm, yeah, teaching is, I think teaching about blockchain is so, um, it's beyond underrated. It's people, we say, oh, we're still so early. We're still so early. But I'm not seeing as many people trying to teach and expand and more uh, explain the technology of cryptocurrencies and what it can do for you. Everyone's saying, 
uh, buy this NFT and it can make you a millionaire overnight. And it's, oh, make sure you buy Bitcoin and Ethereum because you're going to become rich buying them. It's like, all right, you're talking about buying and selling and trading. It's the advice you can is, do that on Wall Street, right? Like, yeah, it's just um, the education value has become more of trader advice rather than technological advancement. And what you're doing with Hashtra is the reason why blockchain is really exciting is the ability to do transactions and view history and actually say, okay, I've been part of this history. I have proof that I'm, I was here, I existed, and I saw this happen. And it's, uh, yeah, I guess like that's like something I really am excited for too and rather people share that kind of news. So I'm, I'm grateful for you to continue that. Yeah. And I also want to know more of, do you think messaging is just the the need to start this whole venture, this this whole lineup, your product roadmap of Hashchat? Was that the, I mean, I know the end goal is much greater, but I kind of want to understand why start with messaging and what was your experience and what was your like core belief in that starting point? Um, I, the, the, the core belief was that no one was solving the problem that needed to be solved, which is a, which is a decentralized end to end messaging application. There were a lot of people that were doing protocols that are just saying, Hey, let's get a protocol and then other people will figure it out. But I, I wanted to have that rails first set up and set up correctly so that we can build on top of that. So that's the reason why we started with messaging and also because I, I had a team of people that know how to do this really fast. So I thought, let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's just crank this out and get this running and then we can, you know, we can add some things on top of it. So we've got a nice partnership with, um, with Gnosis Safe guys and with uh, Lens Protocol too. They're building a whole infrastructure for decentralized social webs and stuff too. So that's, that's exciting. Um, and we're, we're looking forward to growing, growing a lot more stuff there. I was wondering if you had like a, I had a terrible messaging experience story and you just wanted to share something like <laughs> Telegram stole my messages. Well, and I, had to... I, I will tell you the, the one of the reasons why I've sort of put it off for the past couple of years is because I thought we have enough messaging. There's enough messaging out there, right? Like I've yeah. got to check Telegram and Discord and, and, you know, email and, and you know, it just seems like there's an infinite number of messaging apps. And I thought the world isn't anymore. And then I thought, wait a minute, no. We have a capacity to, and given COVID now, everybody's sitting in front of their machines. So I'm amazed at how fast some of the messages come back to me now. It's like, like nobody's in meetings anymore. They're all online and they can all send a reply to a message. I'm like, okay, we have a capacity for more messaging. Now I can build the one that's going to work. That's the right one. And we'll, we'll start, we'll deploy that one into it. So we've got it. We're working on a mobile version too, because I know that everybody has yeah. you know, chat on mobile is required, right? So you gotta, you gotta have that version of it. So, but Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm also looking forward to that mobile version too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So then, one of my last questions is, what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? Wholesome <laughs> crypto moment. Something right, right. Wholesome, wholesome, A wholesome Not event. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> wholesome event. So uh, I'm actually one of the, uh, I guess, hatchlings with the trusted seed program which is part of the common stack um and the, the token engineering comments group and these are a group of people that are that are trying to lay the if you think of software as infrastructure which is kind of a weird it's a weird leap right because you think software is pretty immutable so you think you know it'll, it'll go and change or whatever mm -hmm. but if you think about building base sort of rails and base kind of financial infrastructure as building like a bridge like infrastructure or you know 
or or making a making a field you know more arable, right? Then then all of a sudden you can take software and kind of build it so you can build better communities. And the team at the Token Engineering Commons are kind of figuring out how to do the education and how to do the token engineering to kind of bring crypto more broadly out out into the world and not just kind of doing DeFi and doing trading and stuff, but but bring it to the rest of the community. So that's they've been working for a while and they're going to continue to work for a long time, but they're doing some great work. Um, and, and, uh, and then of course, you know, Gitcoin, I love Gitcoin. So I gotta, I gotta plug Kevin and Gitcoin. So. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I actually interviewed Kevin a uh, week or week or two ago. So nice. But nice. Episode quadratic funding. Yeah. To be published, but yeah, crazy stuff. It is pretty crazy. crazy. And it's like, it's amazing. And like, it's a thing. It's people forget all these projects are being built by people like you and if you want them to devote their time to it it does require funding they're not we're not Mm -hmm. infinite sums of money who can just spend all our time dilly-dallying and building and trying things out if it fails it fails oh well it's it's a lot of work and a lot of time a lot of money to actually hire a team and build that out so Mm -hmm. having an opportunity for communities to share their ideas and get funded by the communities they can market to you and talk to you it's amazing it's beautiful and a lot of amazing projects are coming out of gitcoin and mm-hmm. did you post your project on there not yet i oh. think i will i think there's a i think there's one coming up yeah the round. i've actually round 15. i think i funded fund i think i funded every single round that's come along though because it's it's such a powerful thing where you put five dollars into something and it has like can has like up to a 300 dollar impact with the matching funds and i'm like this is fantastic why doesn't everybody do this this is like you know you you cut you you put in like a few hundred bucks and you have you know thousands of dollars of impact i'm like this is this is great stuff that's the whole nature of quadratic funding right it's like uh it's like the, the, the wave of the future i think we should get quadratic voting figured out too so anyways quadratic <laughs> voting <laughs> um so but- I, I should tell you i should tell you one one quick story if you don't if you don't mind oh tell um, me please back in back in 2019 i want to say it was um, there was a group uh, in Boston that was focused on um, radical markets. This is, this is a book by Glenn Weil. It's like okay. this phenomenal radical exchange, radical markets. Anyways, one of the things was talking about um, uh, quadratic funding, one of the core tenets of the book. But then there was also harbinger tax, which is basically anytime you hold an asset, you you have to pay the tax of the value of it in order to hold onto the asset. Otherwise, it goes up for sale. So the asset's always available for sale. So back in 2019, me and Nick, well, I won't say names, but some other crypto nerds from Boston <laughs> got together and we actually played Monopoly using Harbinger tax rules. <laughs> how the, well, how do you, de- well, how'd you determine tax rates and how'd that play out? Did that make Monopoly last longer than it needed to? Because it's already a long enough game. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, we only had a couple hours at night, but it was like we were playing it. And I, I actually, there's a tweet out there somewhere. I'm happy to send it to you that has a picture of us playing Monopoly with this Harbinger tax rules on it. And and I think I want to post the like price of Ethereum. It was like 190 bucks at the time. So oh, wow. clearly we weren't, we weren't exactly like excited about, about, you know, like, like, woohoo, it's Ethereum's going crazy. But, um, but no, it's, it, it lasted a little bit longer, but we were mostly just trying to figure out the rules because every time a turn happens, I think there was like a standard 10% tax. So you had to pay 10% on whatever property you had, but somebody could offer to bid on your property and you had to come up with the, the 10% of the tax amount of that in order to hold on to it. So that was, that was kind of the game. Like every single round, your properties were always for sale instead of monopoly, which is 
which is like you gotta uh, wait till you land on it before you can buy it right so but I, I guess it was a lot faster actually now that i think yeah. about it it was a lot faster because you can buy it any single time right so people had a strategy to figure out how to like accumulate more properties so also drains your money in your bank so it's nice you can't be that oh yeah some people are careful <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun way to play i haven't played that game in forever now i'm all about monopoly deal the card, the card game monopoly oh i don't know that it's fun it's quick oh <laughs> i'll bring it to <laughs> yeah, that's what monopoly needed just make it faster and then people will play it right instead <laughs> of this whole like oh wait, are we still playing that game is that still going right someone gets upset <laughs> flips the table <laughs> well that's always fun thank you steve so much for being on the show today i love what you're working on I love that you're also not just building, but teaching and really trying to make the blockchain community grow locally and globally. Um, I'm excited to continue meeting up in our Boston DAO meetups. And yeah, thank you again. And, and sharing some oysters. Don't forget oh, yeah. crypto oysters. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have those. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rui. This has been fantastic. Enjoyed chatting with you and, and, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll, Hopefully we'll chat with some more people in the world of wholesome crypto. <laughs> I love the name. Thank I've grown, grown to love the name. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See you, everyone. Bye.